Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 59. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. Today, Rick, we're going to answer a few questions. How have the rookie quarterbacks looked during mandatory minicamp? And what, if anything, does that mean for 2023? And old Rick and Pete were at the Bucks minicamp this week. Is that team which just won the Super Bowl two and a half years ago anywhere close to competing in the <laughs> NFC South? We'll check in on some of the rookies on that team we tracked during the draft process, including an undrafted rookie free agent sleeper that Rick and I both liked back in the spring. And we'll get to Rick's perspective on big-name players integral to their team success holding out this time of year and what that means and how you approach that as a GM. And finally, we have to joke around here that the draft never ends. Well, guess what, Rick? The NFL Supplemental Draft is next month we'll go into details of how that works how teams approach it and what if anything we should expect this time around and rick is going to give you his top 20 nfl draft supplemental players to look out for <laughs> in july why are you laughing rick <laughs> i don't even think there'll be 20 guys coming out <laughs> no they can't be uh, uh it, the news reportedly yes it came out yesterday according to our guy dave brugler the athletic that the um supplemental draft is back I think the last time it happened was 2019. So we'll talk about that later in the show. And by the way, next week, speaking of the show, we picking apart Pete Prisco's list of top 100 players. He does that every summer. Uh, Rick, we invited Pete on the show to defend himself, but he told me he's taking a month off starting today. So we'll be left to draw our own conclusions. Uh, Quick update, Rick. You were in Tampa with that guy, Pete. You guys played golf. And somehow you made a dollar bet that you win, whether you you win the dollar bet if you beat Pete or if you lose to Pete, but how'd that work out? <laughs> well, I think Pete's taken a month off after the beating he took <laughs> on the golf course. Uh, we played at uh, at a course, uh, Crown Colony in uh, Fort Myers. Uh, so we stopped there. We played with him in, in Dane and uh, then headed up. Took him to a very 110% authentic, authentic Mexican restaurant. Oh, which boy. it says it right on the sign outside the door. So I believe it 100%. Yeah, it has to be true. <laughs> How do you like that? Because Pete's very picky when it comes to Oh, eating. my God. He had plain chicken tacos. That so, checks out. Yeah. Pete eats like a toddler. So it, yeah. it makes sense that he wouldn't it's get It's not anything. chicken fingers or or, <laughs> or anything, just chicken and plain, and he, he's not going to eat it. So, but it All was right. very good. Then we went up into Tampa and uh, quite interesting. Uh, spend a day up there and talk to all the people up there. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Your experiences there at Tampa Bay, what that team looks like, because they're not certainly the team they were when they made that Super Bowl run uh, back in 2021. So we'll hit on that in a bit. As always, please consider subscribing. Uh, just before the show, Rick was complaining about it, but he's homeless, and every single subscription gets him one step closer to getting that roof over his head and that garage okay. door. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay, you just led me into my bad dad joke of oh, the day. No, what am I doing? Yeah, no, you're not so, allowed unless you stop clicking your water bottle or pen or something. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have my like, squeeze ball. I, it's, oh it's, no, okay. I made a mess right. and didn't bring it on this trip. Uh, but I, but that led me into my bad dad joke of the day. So as you just stated, Ryan, mm-hmm. I lost my uh, roof, you know, in the hurricane. Uh, so I, we've been battling back and forth with the insurance agent. And I asked my insurance agent, how much does this cost to replace the roof? Yeah. 
you know, he, he looked at me and he said, nothing. It's on the house. <laughs> you know that, that sound you hear right now, Rick? People throwing their phones against the wall and not listening. So Debo, a 5, 10, 10 out of 10, what would you give that one? I was annoyed by like the lead up to it, but it was like a seven. <laughs> oh, he gave it a seven. All right. Yeah. If you hadn't clicked the pens or the water bottle, you're getting a nine out of 10 there. All right. So it's my chair. I don't know. Is that it, Debo? No, I think it's something else. All right. I'm sorry. All right. Well, you should apologize for that dad jump, but that's okay. So anyway, <laughs> as I was saying, you hey, can watch you his live it, on Brian. It's on the house. Oh, when you say it's slower, now I understand. Get it. The roof is on the house. Gotcha. Okay. So for those of you still here listening or, or watching, thank you. I, I appreciate your patience as we uh, make our way through this tough time of dad jokes. But you can watch live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us a thumbs up while you're there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe and leave a five-star review. One last thing, Rick. I highly encourage you to check out the All Things Covered podcast with our guys, Brian McFadden and Patrick Peterson. BMAC's been on this show before to talk draft prospects. Rick signed Pat P. And last week, they talked to one of my favorite players ever in any sport, Hall of Famer Troy Palomalu. This is Palomalu's first ever podcast appearance anywhere on planet Earth. And it's better than you can imagine, Rick. I'll put it to you this way. The show starts off with BMAC reading a letter that Troy wrote him back in 2011 as BMAC's NFL career was winding down. And let's just say my wife not only cried by the end of it, she showed it to all her kids in class the next day, and they all loved it. So check that out because it's the best thing you'll watch today. And I'm not afraid to admit this show with the first pick will be a distant second. <laughs> yeah, so Rick, I'll, I'll put, yeah, when you get a I'm, I'm hall of fame player that comes on and the way Troy Palomalo played yeah. the game, it's, that's tough to beat. Uh, not only really I, uh, a <clears throat> great person, but uh great, great football player as well. Not only did my wife get choked up, BMAC got choked up as he was reading the letter to Troy. It was uh, it was emotional. You don't see that all the time in terms of uh, BMAC is as stoked as they come, but that's the impact that Troy has on people. As you as you mentioned, Rick, not football related, just like life related. He's a he's an old soul. He feels like he's like a a Zen Buddhist monk or something. I'll ask. I always like to put you on the spot. You never remember. But do you have any memories of of a player like Troy Polamalu coming out of USC two thousand three? When he came out, are you yeah. Do you remember? Make a comparison to someone? No, or... just in terms of like, did he stick out to you at that point? Oh, yeah, no. The way he, <laughs> okay. yeah, no, he, it's, he stuck out like a sore thumb. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, no. When you sit there and watch him, the one thing that really stuck out back then, just how physical he was. Yeah. And there was no question when you watch the tape. The one thing that it, when I'm watching tape, I want uh, I don't want the sound. I want passion to ooze out of the screen. Like he it loves does. playing the football Ooh. game and. There was no question, and there was a lot of oozing out of that screen the way Troy Palomalu played uh, played the game. Absolutely. Um, Debo, our crack producer who's always on the ball, Dolphins did not have a first-round pick that year in 2003. The Steelers traded up to go get Troy Palomalu. They traded with the Chiefs at the time. Chiefs traded down, and they took Larry Johnson running back out of Penn State. A little fun fact for you there, Rick. I will note that. Thank you. All right, let's go. Let's get to it. First, we'll start with the Bucks minicamp where you and Pete and uh, field producer Dane uh, took in a, a day of action. Uh, you, as you explained it to me on the drive back, it was extremely hot, and it looked like Dane had the lights cranked up to 10,000, so it, it wasn't only 100 degrees. It was 200 degrees watching you guys in HQ. Let's start at the top. This isn't necessarily draft-related. You have to go back a few years for it to be draft-related, but the first overall pick back in 2018, I believe, Baker Mayfield is now the quarterback. A few years ago, they did draft Kyle Trask out of Florida in the third round. How is this going to shake out? It feels like Baker's probably the guy because Kyle Trask really hasn't gotten any opportunities and they keep bringing in new guys. I know you can't tell a whole lot from minicamp at this time of year, probably more so with just the players throwing the football than anything else. But any takeaways for about Baker? Yeah, no, we had an opportunity to interview Baker as well. And there's uh, no question about the chip on his shoulder because if, you know, you look over the last couple of years and it's been disappointing. But before that, you know, he was almost living up to the billing of being the number yeah. one overall pick. Got Cleveland into the playoffs, you know, and then got injured. Then he's uh, hit a few road bumps along the way. And we asked him uh, why Tampa, and he thought that that was not only the best opportunity for him now, but for the future. And he's looking for a place uh, 
where he can, you know, hopefully play well and finish out his career and play to the level of expectations that were placed on him when he was the number one overall pick. But there is, when we interview, there's no question about he's very confident, not arrogant, but he also understands that, like I said, you can see it. The way he expresses it is that he's really out to prove people that, uh, two people that he is a Baker Mayfield that was a first uh, overall pick a few years back. So, but when you watch him on the field, watch the new offense that Tampa Bay is running, um, even though you're just watching them throw the ball, but they were running uh, 11 on 11. It was mini camp. So they were having pretty much a normal type practice uh, while we were down there. But he has a really good feel for the offense. There's no question that he is in command down there. I mean, you can tell about his leadership, the way he <clears throat> walked around the field, the aura about him and the players, I think, believing in him. And I just noticed the one thing that I noticed was when he was throwing to the receivers, like I noticed Mike Evans kind of always be in his line when he, when uh, <laughs> Baker was throwing, uh, you know, and he was throwing, Mike caught a couple from the other as well. But you can tell that uh, even though they say it's an open competition, um, the way that the feel that I got while I was sitting there watching that, there's no question Baker will be the uh, the starting quarterback barring any injury. So here's the thing with Baker Mayfield. He He's a guy I actually pull for, but, and I feel like he he's made not a transformation so much, but he's just mature because when he came out, there were concerns about his maturity, right? And that sort of the things we like to, to poke and pride these players about uh, because we have nothing else to do between January and, and late April. Uh, and there were the issues. Uh, I think he got in trouble off the field, ran away from cops or something. I can't remember what it was. But it feels like, do you feel like he's matured? Were those issues not an issue for you at the time? Or uh, like, where are you on, on your Baker spectrum of, of maturity? Yeah, no, he's definitely matured. Uh, you can tell that everybody matures. Everybody right. does, you know, except for myself and probably Debo. Everybody else probably did a few dumb things in yeah. college that uh, probably were like, what the heck was I thinking? Now, By the way, quickly, himself. sorry to interrupt you, Rick, but let me just tell a quick story. On Monday, I was I had jury duty. I didn't get selected, but you had to fill out a bunch of forms. And one of the forms was, have you ever been arrested? I had to say, yes, I got arrested in college for trying to buy beer underage. And the uh, what we called the ABC Alcohol Beverage Control Virginia was there waiting for me in the parking lot as a twenty year old. <laughs> so yes, I have I have done things that uh, Baker Mayfield might have gotten in trouble for. You and Debo are the exception. Go ahead. Is that why you have that hard edge to you? All that prison time you spent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not last two minutes in prison. I I knew there was something about you that that hard edge to you or that. Yeah. Whatever that is, it's uh, now I understand. I it mean, that's something you. You, you know, when we traveled together for so many months, and basically I saw you more than I saw my wife, I know, uh, right? Which uh, I won't, she was pretty excited about that <laughs> I got a break uh, from her. <laughs> Look at Debo with a McLovin gift if you're watching on YouTube. How dare you, Debo? Uh, uh, that's yeah. not what you looked like back when you were 20. Yeah, that's what I look like. Same hair, doing everything. McLovin from, uh, is that Pineapple Express? What's that from? Not Pineapple Express. That's the other one. Super bad. Super bad. Thank you. All right, go ahead, Rick. Sorry to interrupt you, but Baker's matured. Yeah, no. And and uh, like I said, uh, he, you know, watching him, he threw the ball very well, uh, looked completely healthy. Uh, now, it's different once you got, you know, real football going around and making decisions and things like that. But I was very impressed with uh, the command he had of that offense and just the, the aura uh, that he had walking around the building and and that leadership, and I think uh, I think that that's that he is definitely going to be the guy in Tampa after seeing that live. And I think part of that, how you feel about him, obviously, it's not because of what happened in Carolina, but probably because of what happened with the Rams, where he just showed up one day, the next day he played. They actually won that game, I believe, on prime time, and, and showed the ability to bounce back. And even going back to Cleveland, you sort of touched on this. It felt like, and I don't know the reasons, but it felt like once he got injured, they beat the Steelers in the playoffs that one year. They came back. They, there were high expectations. He suffered some shoulder. He had the shoulder injury and it felt like they got away from running the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and leaned on Baker trying to throw the ball late in the year. And he just kept taking hit after hit after hit. And it just felt like that marriage was going to dissolve 
uh, sooner rather than later. So it, it does feel like he's the guy that you want here. Kyle Trask, I'll ask you this, and then we'll, we'll talk about the offensive line. Kyle Trask could outplay Baker Mayfield uh, now and even into to August, and I still feel like you're leaning on Baker because you can trust him more. Do you feel – you agree with that I, or no? Yeah, no. I I, uh, I wasn't a huge Kyle Trask fan when he came out. Um, you know, he's a tall pocket passer. He has a strong arm. Um, but like I said, when you get an opportunity to see these guys just live and how they operate in the huddle and how, uh, you know, they're operating in this new offense and Dave Canales, the new offensive coordinator that came from Seattle, who was the quarterback coach there for a long time, uh, getting his first opportunity to call plays on the sideline. But what, he was uh, what he did with Geno Smith last year yeah. and kind of resurrected Geno Smith's career. So I think the vision is a lot of it is can they replicate that in Tampa yeah, with Baker great. Mayfield? The issue is that they have to be able to run the ball. Last year, they were one of the worst in the league at running the football, but you also had Tom Brady who threw the ball 40 times a game at 45 years old, which made no sense to me. <laughs> Hence the change in offensive coordinator and quarterback. But I think if they're, they have a very good defense. I think they had eight of their starters back. I think that if their offense can start clicking and you, when you watch the offense, there's a lot of play action, a lot of things that that Seattle did. And one of the things that made Seattle's offense go a lot was they were had some pretty good running backs that could run the ball. And then uh, they built that and what Russell Wilson had and even Geno Smith had last year, making establishing the run game to take the shots and make big plays down the field. So I think that is critical for them as they, they go forward. But if they can get that going and kind of replicate something where no one really gave um, – Seattle much of a chance last year. So Tampa's offense last year was last in rushing and they were last in big plays throwing down the field of plus 20 yards. If you want to call those big plays in any capacity passing or running. So I think if they're able to establish a running game and one of the breakout players that I'd liked coming out of college, uh, Rashad white. And uh, if he's able to, do and replicate what he did against Seattle when he had his opportunity. He's last year he was behind Fournette, so he never really got to be the lead dog. But if he's the way they were using him, not only running the ball but catching the ball out of the backfield, he looks like he is going to be one of those uh, breakout players in his second year as well. Um, so here's the question from Aiden: Could they bring in someone like Carson Wentz? No, Debo I, says I, no, absolutely no. no. Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> I had this opportunity to spend some time with some people down there. I think the one thing that you have to realize is that they are in a pretty significant cap situation. Right. So when Tom Brady came out of retirement, okay, then or last year, they pushed a lot of money out into the credit card this year. Mm-hmm. So when he retired this year, they have $35 million in dead money, which means... And it, it escalates immediately, right? Yes. So yes. that $35 million got dead money got dumped into this year, which is higher than 25 teams in the NFL in dead money. And then Donovan Smith and some of the other moves that they had to make this offseason, uh, I think they're at $74.3 million in dead money, which is by far the highest in the league. So... I thought Jason Light did a phenomenal job on the draft that he was able to get. We'll talk about some of those guys. Uh, but to still uh, Jamil or uh, Jamil Jamil Jamel Dean, they were yeah, able Jamal to Dean. resign. Yeah, and uh, Levante uh, David Levante David, they were able to resign their defense. So they have a lot of their guys back. The one thing that I would be concerned about a little bit is. Pass rush, um, you know, Shaq Bennett, who tore his Achilles, uh, did not look like he is anywhere near ready to go yet. Just watching him rehab on the sideline. So that, you know, they're going to have to generate some pass rush. But they're 
moving Antoine Winfield back to safety, which is natural position. Last year they played him at Nick. Right. And uh he got hurt and banged up a lot. So they put him back at safety. So I think their defense is going to be pretty good. Uh and well let me ask you this before we going. go to that side. Let's let's go back to the offense because you mentioned how they got Dave Canales, oh. the quarterback's coach of Seattle. Had a lot of success with Geno Smith. A lot of that credit goes to Geno, obviously. But also the Seahawks drafted Charles Cross and Abe Lucas in that draft, who were both starters, bookends, left and right tackle. The offensive line in Tampa is a little different story, as is the running game. They had Ken Walker the third. He talked about Rashad White. Quickly, just give me 10 seconds. I'm going to give you my Rashad White comp. I mentioned it to him at the Combine a few years ago. I wanna, I'll want i tell you his reaction. I want to get your reaction. My comp for Rashad White, and I mentioned this to him. I said, you remind me a little bit of Cordero Patterson. No, absolutely that's, not. That's what he said. All right, moving on. Yeah. We, can we move on even like next year? The, your comps, we, can we talk about them before we actually say them on the air? Yeah, we'll we'll, do, we'll devote a show to Although them, I Mike. do respect all the hard work and energy and effort that you try to come up with there comps. So, all right, going back to the offensive line. So they drafted Cody Mock, one of our favorites from the Senior Bowl. We talked to him at the combine. He's a great guy, hard worker. He has short arms. They have him penciled at right guard right now. Ryan Jensen's the center. Matt Filer, who's bouncing around from Pittsburgh to the Chargers, is at left guard. They're moving Tristan Wirfs, their former first-round pick, from the right side to the left side. He's an athlete. He could play quarterback if you wanted to. I don't, I'm not concerned about that. But Luke Gettick, he could also be an issue. So tell me about that offensive line. And Baker has plenty of experience behind pay, playing behind offensive lines to get him banged up. Yeah, I think if they can stay healthy, they were pretty excited about the offensive line. Wirfs looked like a natural left tackle, even though he's been a, a pro bowl uh, numerous Pro Bowl player on the right side. Uh, a lot of people even looked at him as a left tackle because he was on the right side, I believe, at Iowa when he came out, uh, and, but saw the athletic ability to play left tackle. So I think that'll be a smooth, easy transition for him. Gattiki struggled at guard last year. He was started at left guard. I think that tackle will be better. That's what he played in college, so hopefully – uh, he will be able to play better, but they're excited about his progress in year two. Uh, Malk, I think the biggest concern is, is he going to be able to anchor versus the power rush in line? There's no question about the athleticism and the the, the demeanor to finish blocks. And then the biggest one who was out there practicing in last year when we were at training camp, uh, when I was there with Pete, uh, that's the day that Jensen went down with that significant oh, in injury that great. ended his uh, season. Now I tried to come back in the, I think the playoff game, but he looks, you know, they were very, he was very limited practicing, but if that group can stay healthy, I think it's going to be good enough um, to, to, to function. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll tell you which player undrafted free agent stood out to Rick. One of the guys we loved in the pre-draft process right after this. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rick, we talked about Cody Mock. Uh, their second round pick, Kalijah Cansey, went in the first round, the interior defensive lineman out of Pitt. They drafted Trey Palmer, the speedy wide receiver out of Nebraska. But someone they didn't draft, and someone that we talked about uh, a handful of times down the stretch on, on the old podcast here, stuck out in your mind. Uh, safety Christian Idzian out of Rutgers. He was undrafted. Uh, he played some of the slot at Rutgers, played in the box. He can play deep if you want him to. Uh, five, eight and a half, 197. He looks like a, a spark plug out there. Ran a 4-4-2. I thought he might go day three. He didn't go day three. He went undrafted. But tell me what you saw 
from him and, and the one day you guys were out there. Yeah, they've been working on him at least the day I was there. Now, who knows? There's a long way to go for uh, the opening game. But they were working him a lot, rotating him in there with the first defense with the um, nickel at the nickel position. Um, everything that you've seen on tape, the thing that stuck out the most on tape is his physical ability and his mm-hmm. aggressiveness. Uh, loves the play of the game. Um, but they were in a red zone drill. He had a picked interception in the red zone drill. And he's kind of been, again, we're just talking about in shorts right now and running around. We got a long way to go yet. But he was one of the guys that they mentioned. And he, the day we were down there, uh, stuck out. And he may end up potentially being their starting Nick before it's said and done. Wow. I'm looking at my notes here. I said if he were 6'1", 200 pounds, he'd probably be a top 50 player. We'll see if that's a little too ambitious. But uh, you and I both liked him in the process. His teammate Christian Braswell uh, was a really good player at Rutgers as well. He's in a mini camp. I have to check where. But they had some players on that team. It's amazing that they struggle so much winning football games consistently uh, in the Big Ten. All right. What we got, Debo? We got some gambling notes here. Regular season wins. Ooh. All right. Over six and a half, you'll make yourself a little money. If you bet $10, you'll win $12, Rick. Under six and a half, you bet $10. Uh, you bet $14 to win $10. I think that, that math is right there. Well, why, why do you – I don't understand, again, <laughs> because of the gambling. You can see how hard the – so if I pay $14, I get $10 back. That, because that, that means sense. it's much it's more likely to happen in the eyes of of the odds makers. Then why Nick, would I bet that? Why would I lose four dollars? You think they're gonna because you think they're gonna win fewer than seven games. So if I said, let me understand this gambling thing here, you would get twenty four dollars before you start asking. You want to okay. get just ten dollars, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, they're not gonna take right. That's right. You bet fourteen dollars, you get your fourteen dollars back plus the ten dollars. Okay, this was a mistake, Ryan. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> my oh, my bad. God. Don't gamble, do the, Ryan. Yeah. I forgot to do the math. No, anyway. I said this was a mistake for me to pull this up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, forget about the plus and minus numbers. Just tell me, uh, and I know you, you, you got friends everywhere, so you got to be nice, but put on your analyst hat here. This Buccaneers team in this division, which isn't a great division, but over six and a half, under six and a half, what, what strikes your fancy? Oh, I'm going to definitely go over six and a half. I think they're going to be battling New Orleans to win the NFC South. Wait a second. So now Atlanta, Des Ritter, second year quarterback. We have to see about that. But they have all those playmakers. They got better on defense. They fill some needs in free agency on defense, even if they weren't able to draft those players. Are they going to win fewer or more games than the Bucs? Who? The Falcons. I want to say I'm going to go lean towards Tampa until Ritter proves it. Now, I know okay. Baker Mayfield's got to prove it, but. I think Tampa's defense is pretty good. And if they can, like I said, establish the run game and do uh, offensively what they were able to uh, do in Seattle, if Canales, the new OC can uh, replicate that, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to surprise some people. I was was surprised. I was surprised when I went down there and watched. I'll just say that. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what you say when you go to see Bryce Young in Carolina. You're going to have them winning 17 games. <laughs> <laughs> Thank no. God, Debo, you do all these dollar bets because if you did it, Ryan would, I'd be fleeced the way Ryan cheats on betting. He no. says, hey, give me $14 and I'll give you 10 back <laughs> if you win. All right. Let's talk quickly uh, about you mentioned Antoine Winfield moving back to his more natural safety position. And you also talked about how there's, uh, up against it salary cap wise, but you're going to have to extend Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield. How are you doing that math? How are you explaining this to the agents who are like, yo, what's going on? You're like, well, I don't have any money right now. Uh, how does that process work? I'm thinking there you're, you'll continually talk. There'll be a lot of talks going on between now and before training camp starts. There's no way those guys are going to get out of the building. So I don't it, right now. It's pretty much going to be a dead period. Until about a week before training camp, I think everybody needs to get a break. Uh, coaches, front office, they get away. You know, agents need a break. Although there are your phones on twenty four seven, but <laughs> we would uh, about a week before training camp, we would start back up uh, humming through the negotiations again. And then a lot of the deals uh, we were able to get get done were right before the night before the, you had to report to training camp. You can bicker back and forth or but until the 11th hour is upon you um 
most of the time you're going back and forth on stuff and and but when the eleventh hour comes is usually when stuff gets done. Deal. Yeah, you've talked about the eleventh hour a lot in, in terms of figuring things out negotiation wise, which brings us to uh the guy you once drafted and you can watch it on YouTube with the first pick, Rick's pick, Stefan Diggs, who you traded from Minnesota to Buffalo. He wanted out. Uh, you accommodated him. There's a whole TikTok of how that happened. I think the Athletic wrote that story. It's a really good story. Check that out uh, wherever you get your Googles. But I think the pick you got back was the pick you used for Justin Jefferson. I Correct. think that's the math. So that that worked out pretty well uh, for all parties involved. Stephon Diggs went to Buffalo, and you could argue coincidence or not, but Josh Allen's game was elevated the moment Stephon Diggs stepped on the field in Buffalo. And now there's some things going on. Not necessarily – bad things it doesn't reflect poorly on Savon Diggs but it's something that we're talking about because it's June uh coach Sean McDermott said he was concerned last week because Savon Diggs wasn't around Savon Diggs agent said he was around they finally show up and everyone's peachy key can I clarify now. can I clarify that story because yeah. right before we went on the air Tuesday they were playing the uh Sean McDermott clip on him not being there so I yeah. called his agent who I'm pretty close with um and and then it's been reported since he actually did show up. He did his right. preseason physical. You usually do your preseason physical uh, on the final mini camp. He was sitting in meetings. Uh, he did not go out to practice that first day. Uh, he this has nothing to do with or related to his contract because he just there you go got a new deal. So there were some internal things going on, which I don't know what those were. But apparently those got ironed out, and he, I think he practiced on Wednesday uh, when uh, on their last day of practice. I believe I think they canceled Thursdays. So, but uh, there was a lot of miscommunication on what was actually happened. But it's things that are internally getting ironed out. Nothing to do with the contract. Nothing to do with him actually not showing up at the mini camp. Debo, I think Rick just broke some news. I like that, Rick. So let me ask you. I, I'm, I, yeah, I, I do not want. That's not my forte. I do not want to be a newsbreaker. Well, you uh, called his agent. I mean, you're not even you're not speculating. You talked to you talked to his agent. Well, because I'm I'm close with those. I get with, it with with Stefan and and with his agent. Right. No, I understand. Is this uncommon? Like, does this happen all the time? We don't hear about it, or is this a little weird? I, well, here's the part that's sort of weird for me: is that why would Sean McDermott come out and say he's concerned? I, I, that part I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but I'm sure he's concerned. If there's, <laughs> <laughs> if well, there's something going on with Digsy, uh, but uh, there's always a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes. Right. I mean, it's uh, this or that, uh, you know, that never gets publicized. This one actually did get publicized because most of the things that get out there are going to be contract related or a player wanting traded or something like that. This was nothing. So it was internal that uh, a lot of times the internal issues never really uh, do get out. Uh, but you do deal with a lot of issues behind the scenes. And basically, you're trying to get those issues resolved the best way you can. This isn't related to Stefan Diggs, but it just popped a question to my mind. Do you or the coaching staff have any conversations with the players as a whole right now before they go off for six weeks and get oh, into all so, like, do you have a plan or is it just Zimmer talks them before you leave? How does that work? No, everybody, uh, we have our, usually the coaches talk to the players, uh, you know, take care of yourselves. This is probably not so much. It is a little bit in the off season when they go home, but this time of year between now and when you report to training camp and it's summertime that you just <laughs> hope your players are mature enough and intelligent enough to stay clear of anything that would happen. And unfortunately I dealt with an incident. We went on actually vacation. I took a four day vacation, uh, which I felt guilty about back then. <laughs> uh, but, of course you did. <laughs> and uh, I had my phone on me the entire vacation. We ended up going on a whitewater rafting trip. I turned my phone off because I couldn't take it on the water. We put it in this locker. We were gone for three hours out of my four-day vacation. That I didn't have my phone on. Came back, and I had 72,000 messages. Not really. You had a couple hundred or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Owners, media, uh, agent, uh, uh, 
while I was gone for three hours. Three that, hours. Yeah, yeah. We had a player that was shot oh. uh, during that time. Uh, oh my gosh! So the rest of the vacation, and once we got off the uh, whitewater rafting trip, I was on the phone for the rest of the night. Oh my gosh! And the next day, uh, dealing with uh, dealing with those issues. Yeah, when you said you went whitewater rafting, my first thought was, "There's no way Rick let his hair get wet." So you must have wore like a hairnet or, <laughs> but yeah. So, cause you think about these things, cause to your point, like one thing when the season's over, it's still cold out. You're going home, you're, you're reconnecting with your family, but summertime, it's like almost sending your kids off to college. Like you don't know where they're going to get up to. Um, right. You know, they, it, there's everyone's, no one's wearing, you know, everyone's in their bathing suits and acting up. So it's a whole, whole thing. Yeah. So, and, right. and we had, you know, like our player, uh, programs director and, and our people would reach out to him just to make sure, just check in on him. You know, strength coaches are checking in on him. Um, you know, but they do get a, you know, it's, it, they're growing men too. So you don't control their lives, but right. at least you tell them just please take care of yourself and look out for one another. And, and, uh, and, and hopefully you can get through the next six weeks without any off field incidents. All right. Let's talk about uh, so, some guys who are holding out. And we know this because um, they, they made it clear. Uh, Alyssa Guy, Saquon Barkley, Danielle Hunter, who you drafted uh, in Minnesota, Chris Jones, interior defensive lineman for the Chiefs, and Lawrence Guy. But let's focus on Saquon. So former top five pick, Dave Godwin made that pick for the Giants, was a huge part of that offense as a rookie. Uh, he suffered an ACL injury, came back, wasn't quite 100%. Last year, he was hitting on all cylinders. Big part of why Daniel Jones made the leap along with uh, new coach Brian Dable, I feel like. And now this team looks like it's primed to, to make a, a run at Debo's Eagles. That's going to be a huge ask, but they they surprised a lot of people last year. Running back is a position where, unlike 2007 when you drafted Adrian Peterson, it's, it's a different um, position in that you don't overpay those guys typically unless you're Christian McCaffrey. He seems to be the exception. You can find guys that can give you some of the production, if not all the production. So what are you thinking if you're the general manager – you have Saquon talking about maybe not playing. He wants to get paid. How do you approach that in a year, by the way, that you're in the best position you've been in since Eli Manning was there? Yeah, no, I think Saquon's situation is different than, let's say, Dalvin Cook's situation or Zeke Elliott's situation because this is going to be his first, as we say, bite at the apple, his first major contract. Right. He's still young. He did not sign his franchise tag yet, so – in his situation, because he didn't show up for rookie minicamp, he's not under contract yet. So he doesn't get fined. So technically, he's not a holdout because technically he hasn't signed his his franchise tag, which means he's still not under contract, even though they hold his rights because of the uh, franchise number. So that's the difference. Uh, and Saquon knows that most running backs uh, – they only get one opportunity to probably get a, a major bite at the apple. So uh, this is going to be his opportunity. I don't know where the negotiations are, but I knowing just from don't know Saquon personally, but knowing type of character is uh, knowing he, that he wants to get his share of the pie. Uh, but also I don't anticipate uh, him not being, I'd be, be surprised if he wouldn't, if this wasn't done right before training camp and he shows up for training camp. Okay. Well, let me push you a little further there. They got to pay Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, the salary cap, the franchise number for the running back this year is 10.1 million. Christian McCaffrey currently averages 16 million a year, which is highest among running backs followed by Alvin Kamara at 15, Derek Henry at 12, five and then Nick Chubb at 12, two. I'm guessing, and you would know better than me, but, Saquon's agent's going to say he needs to make more than Christian McCaffrey. What are you saying? No, yeah. you got to pay your quarterback. No, I, uh, I think that what you have to look at is when you're no. doing these contract <laughs> negotiations, which that was a short one, but I appreciate your effort and energy into putting in a lot of trying to get him above Christian McCaffrey. He is very important to that football team. So I can imagine that, um, you look at the floor. So the floor of the franchise tag this year, that's guaranteed once he signs that. And what's the floor of the franchise tag next year? And those that for the, the, the cash over the next two years basically are going to be 
that. That's the worst that the team can do if you want to keep them and franchise them for two years in a row. Let's say it's tw- let's say it's twenty-two total. Ten this year, twelve next year. Just me making up a number for next year. Okay, so that's so right there is that's your starting point on your guaranteed monies. Okay. Uh, so you know that. So I imagine this. So you would the most important thing to at least when I did contracts, when the agent did con, when we did it with the agents was the first three years of the deal. How can we make it fit in the cap? What's the guarantees? Um, and then if we have to fluff years four and five to make the average look higher, then we'll, we'll do that. Even though we know those are not real numbers, it makes the agent look good. makes the player, yeah. Hey, I'm averaging 14 million a year, but right. what you always look at, what's the first three years of the deal? What's the, actual guaranteed monies in those first three years. And then you go on from there. All right. Let me ask you one thing and then we'll take a quick break here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the list of highest paid running backs uh, in terms of average value. So you can have one player on, let's say, let's say the, uh, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can have one running back. You can draft Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry. And those are the top three running backs. that here. Who are you taking for the Buccaneers for one year in 2023? For Tampa Bay, yeah, just sort of a random <clears throat> team. Which quarter? I'm, I'm curious which running back you think is most valuable. Oh, McCaffrey by far. Oh, okay, all right. So you didn't even hesitate. <laughs> <Okay>. No, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Oh man, I think Alvin Kamara. He's just a year older, but he feels like he's been around a little longer. Derrick Henry's 29. Uh, Saquon's the youngest. Uh, we'll see how his contract situation works out in uh, New York. But um, nice little explanation there, Rick, of how those contracts work. All right, we're gonna take another break. When we come back. We'll talk about which quarterback looked the best among the rookies at the mini camps and what that might mean for 2023 right after this. That was oh, a boy. Commercial for Paramount Plus. I am still <laughs> watching I, on YouTube. Yeah. Now that we have between end of mini camps and training camp, my goal is to eventually be able to function with Paramount Plus because I still cannot figure out how to get it. I sent you explicit instructions. Did you not try those? No, I did not. Okay. Because they make no sense. Just like some of the questions you asked about, it oh, was, hey, Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara? What did he say, Debo? It was, it was kind of late last night, but I know Ryan and I were locked into Nations League soccer on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> That's right. I got my USA hat on, Rick, because U.S. beat Mexico three to nothing. That's the first time this happened in uh, a couple of decades. Christian, uh, Christian Pulisic had two goals. Ricardo Pepe came on in the second half for Balogun, and he scored uh, a great goal against Mexico. Four red cards, Rick. Wow. I, yeah, if I had, if you guys would explain how to actually, I, I didn't, it shouldn't be as complicated for other people as it is for me, right? It's not. I can assure you. <laughs> I mean, other people can do it a lot easier than I can. And by the way, I looked at the uh, – Paramount Plus app, 4.6 stars out of five. That's pretty good. You should be able to navigate that. I will once again send you even more detailed instructions. I, okay. And the other question is that did you see, just like on a side note, uh, Messi, you know, coming to Miami? Who's coming to Miami? Messi. Oh, yeah. So Lionel Messi's coming to Miami. He turned down uh, reportedly a billion dollars to go play in Saudi Arabia coming to Miami. So uh, I saw that the tickets for to go to a soccer game in Miami was, I think the highest ticket was 45 bucks. Now I think it's close to $500. You know what else is interesting, Rick, is that Miami had one of the lowest attendance records of all the MLS teams. I think that's going to change. Yes. <laughs> I think that that is. So I'm trying to think like David Beckham came to, to LA, oh gosh, 15 years ago now, maybe longer. That was Huge, but Lionel Messi is a game changer different. So that that's even um, though he's getting a little long in the tooth. A little long in the tooth. He's 35. He's still one of the top three, top four players in the world. Uh he's better than mm-hmm. Ronaldo, I think. I think I don't even think that's uh, Ronaldo's hit the wall too. They're all yeah, he's, the he's been in Israel now. I think Ronaldo's playing Israel for a lot of money, of course. But uh yeah, so exciting times. And maybe uh Here's an idea, Rick, since you're down in South Florida. Maybe we'll do a podcast from an, an inter-Miami game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or an FC-Miami game, whatever they call it. We'll get Messi on the show, see what he thinks about the draft. Stadium is two minutes from the Fort Lauderdale office. Oh, is it? I walked around that stadium. What's the capacity? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to... 15, Rick, something like oh, that. Yeah. They're going to have to play in... Um... Is that right by the old or the private airport, Devo? Yep, yep. yep. 
All right. Well, we'll Nations League final Sunday, 830 Eastern on Paramount Plus. Hopefully Rick has it figured out by then. U.S. versus Canada. Canada is now the best team in, in CONCACAF, which is wrap your brain around that. All right. Let's talk about these quarterbacks, Rick. I want to say something to you and you can tell me whether it's a surprise to you or not. Bryce Young is working with the first team. No. So you just hate Andy Dalton that much that you don't think he no. deserves to be the star? <laughs> no, I don't trade all my draft capital right. to go up and get the number one overall pick, take a quarterback for him to sit on the bench. That is not a surprise. Oh, this is a great quote from Brian Burns, who's also looking to get paid the edge rusher for Carolina out of Florida State. He says he walks around. He's talking about Bryce Young here. He walks around with his humble, but I know I'm the S type of swag. Does that does that sound like Bryce Young? Yeah, no, it exactly does. You know, <laughs> and I told you that little story on when I what type of kid he is. Which the, the, when you're talking about humble, yeah, for the superstar that he is. Um, after the season, uh, I met with all the my uh, Alabama players on their draft status and things like that. So I had about fifteen of the players shuffle through. <laughs> Ryan's jaw dropped when I made a cut through and yeah. uh, all the <laughs> Alabama. Hold players. on, let, let me let me back up. First of all, we're walking outside uh, at one of the outdoor practice fields, Debo, right next to the facility, and we can't find a door. So Rick just starts banging on doors, and then uh, Henry Totoa, I believe, opened the door to let you in. Like, hey, what's up? He just walked on through, and I'm just coming through there, like I'm trying not to get arrested. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we're high fiving the players coming in and everything, and. Yeah, well, that was a whole. That was funny. Um, but he, like, I wasn't expecting him or Will Anderson to show up because I knew they were going to be, you know, top picks in the draft. And he comes rolling in about eleven fifteen, and I said, "What?" You know, I said, "Hey, Bryce, what are you doing here?" He goes, "Well, I saw that you were in, and they said to come by to speak with you." Mm. So I wanted to fill my obligation, come by. We end up having a conversation for a half hour. But that's a guy that was a number one overall pick in the draft who more than likely anyone else would have just, I don't need to go see Rick Spielman. I'm, you know, I know where I'm going to get selected in the draft, but because that was put on the board uh, to come by and see me and his, he was college career was, was pretty much done except for the bowl game. Uh, he still took the time out of uh, in between classes to come by and swing by and say hello. And so we sat there and chatted for a while. Yeah, and, and Miles Sanders, uh, running back in Carolina now, so he's very sharp for a young quarterback coming in, and he adds, which is pretty funny for Miles Sanders. I don't know what Nick Saban was doing over there at Alabama, but he's doing a very good job. Uh, Young's reaction, his pocket presence, and decision-making is basically everything that's been standing out to me, and that, that's all you want in your quarterback, right? Yep, yep. So Pete Prisco will be definitely be wrong on him. Meanwhile, Pete's guy. Uh, Will Levis is content. I'm not going to talk about Will. I hope Will Levis has success. I'm just the problem with Pete is that he makes you so angry about the players you like that you want his players not to do well. I'm not going <laughs> to fall for that trap. I hope Will Levis ends up in the Hall of Fame. You don't actually root for against the player, you root against Pete. You root against Pete. That's right. That's how aggravating Pete is. All right, let's talk about CJ Stroud. He went number two overall. And look, you said it. From Jump Street, the Texans can't get out of this draft without a quarterback with those two first-round picks. They got the quarterback, then they got the other guy you just mentioned, Will Anderson. So D'Amico Ryan's a new coach for Houston, former D.C. in San Francisco, says he's going to have an open quarterback competition between C.J. and Davis Mills, the former third-round pick out of Stanford. And D'Amico said uh, earlier this week, the best thing I've seen from C.J. Stroud is his growth, is that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. He's headed in the right direction. So, not quite the slam dunk high praise of Bryce Young, but again, we're in the middle of June. It may not necessarily matter, but I think it's trending in the right direction, right? Yeah. I, yeah, no, he'll be, I, I would uh, say pretty confidently that he'll be the opening day starter uh, as, as you know, as long as things go well through training camp. And then he has uh, got, a, got a bright future ahead of him. And it, all these young quarterbacks, when they come in, they're swimming probably the first two or three weeks of the OTAs in a rookie mini camp. And this is the point um, in the final mandatory mini camp and the final OTAs where things start to settle down for them. Their heads are not spinning because they're implementing so much of the offense in, in uh, to see how much these guys have, what capacity they can handle. 
then the coaches will group, well, he's pretty good at here. When we get to training camp, they'll have a specific plan in place uh, to try to get him ready to go for the opener. Um, but we, we both saw uh, CJ. We saw him. We've talked to him numerous times. We saw him at his pro day. Saw him have, to me, one of the best throwing combine sessions I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So there's no question about his ability and, and uh, his opportunity to be a day one starter as a rookie. By the way, no one's talking about the S2 test anymore. No, no. That's weird. Old news. Yeah. Old news. All right. Let's go to Indianapolis and look at Anthony Richardson. Top five pick Anthony Richardson. And uh, obviously the the most raw of all these guys, he only started a handful of games, 13, I think, at at Florida, completed less than 60% of his passes. There were a ton of concerns with the experience, zero concerns with the athleticism. And uh, look, he makes it clear that he's still got a lot to learn, a long way to go. Uh, especially compared with guys like CJ and, and, and Bryce. But he said earlier this week, um, he told The Athletic, I want to learn everything right now. And I tell them, I want to know everything, but I can't because I haven't seen everything. I haven't seen, I haven't even played my first game yet. It's just a matter of remembering I'm a rookie, but also making sure that I can be the best rookie there is. So how do you balance that, Rick? I mean, Teddy was experienced, Christian Ponder was experienced, but when you have a young quarterback in there who doesn't, know what he doesn't know how do you bring them along slowly and try to keep their confidence up yeah that's that's a game plan that the coaches will put in place they'll know the best on when the you know how to bring them along in training camp uh how much that they are going to give them from an experience standpoint so i imagine that he will get a lot of play time in the preseason even though it's the preseason um, and you're going to see him probably what most rookies do is everything they learn through these OTAs, everything they learn from schematic wise to technique wise. Uh, and then you go through those two weeks of training camp. As soon as you get in your first preseason game, it's like, oh, my God, they go back to their comfort zone and they go back to doing what you were trying to correct. Right. Until that becomes a comfort zone. So I can imagine that when Anthony Richardson gets in his first preseason game, you'll see him do some things, but you're also going to see him make a lot of plays and what he's most comfortable with. And that's pulling the ball down and running uh, to make, I, I remember watching the first cu- uh, first preseason game with uh, Justin Fields in Chicago. Yeah. And you didn't weren't overly, I would should say blown away with, okay, him sitting in a pocket, getting through his progressions, but you were blown away about, his playmaking ability and his ability to use his legs outside the pocket in the preseason, they really stuck out. So I imagine you're going to see that same thing with Anthony Richardson. What's different is because Bryce Young has seen so much, CJ Stroud have seen so much football, they may be farther along as a quarterback. So they may be a little bit more patient with Richardson, depending on probably what they see through training camp. I don't know if he'll definitely be the day one starter, but it's not going to be too long before he uh, gets on the field. Yeah, or you may just say have a, uh internal meeting with the owner and the coach and the GM and they'll say, understanding he's not ready, but we need to throw him out there. We will put in some things that he does well, and then let's let him grow, and it's going to be a growing season for him. And Gardner Minshew is the backup, so th- that's a, a placeholder at least for a month or six weeks or whatever. You actually mentioned something there, Rick. Let me ask you this. What if the owner says, listen, no one's coming to these games or people are angry. People people go to the games. It's rare that you don't see team players, that, uh, fans at NFL games. But what they say, listen, we're getting a lot of pushback in the media. The fans are angry. Just put them out there and, and let them play. Are you able to talk them out of that? I've or never no? been with an owner that has said that to me yeah. personally or to a coach. They always are the ownership I always worked with, uh, respected the decision. And the decision comes down technically to the head coach and the offensive coordinator. And, and when the time is ready, that's what they get paid a lot of money to make those decisions right. because they're the ones in a meeting with them every day. They're the ones out of practice every day. So they're going to know uh, when it's best to put them out there. By the way, that was a test and you pass it. I, I mentioned that because Debo, I, I should have sent you the tweet. I don't know if you have it handy, but Rick got a little emotional on Twitter last week too. He lost all his game balls. In the oh God. The Wolves send him a whole bag of balls. And I've never heard Rick so, what's the word? Not emotional, but uh, thankful. Like, you, you it was, it was, it was, I was shocked. 
when I opened up that, I was like, oh my God, my wife, what the hell did she order now from Amazon? <laughs> I got this big well, box. Because you, you joked throughout their travels this spring that, you, you know, people around the league, like you had socks from the Broncos and you had pants from the Browns or whatever. Like you had clothes, you were outfitted by various teams around the league. But uh, in here, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Rick's tweet. And there's the bag of balls, um, the replacement game balls that had been presented to Rick. Uh, throughout his throughout his time there is two decades in in Minnesota. The worst part of this picture, Rick, and Diva pointed this out to me, your your choice of footwear. You're wearing flip-flops. <laughs> Put on some respectable shoes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. This guy. Okay. Like you've been there before. Rick, I have a question. Yes. When, when you received this package, did you get a photo of of it at your front door, similar to your, <laughs> did you figure that out? Did, you, did your wife handle it for you? My wife handled it for me. <laughs> so. so this was completely unexpected. This was completely unexpected. And that just on a serious note tells you what type of ownership I worked for in uh, Minnesota, the Will family. And the note that they sent me was incredible. Um, and I, you know, Talk to them right after I receive the game balls. I've talked to them numerous times uh, throughout the the spring here. And a pretty pretty special family. Uh, and you see all the business side, and you you know not to you know what the commanders are going through with their ownership and this and that. But uh, there is um, not take out the business, and it's a it's a business. But there is family atmosphere, and the Will family definitely uh, created that family atmosphere i love the side of rick Debo because people think that rick actually hate me at times on this podcast but he actually has a soft spot and uh this don't let anyone know that and my <laughs> biggest decisions in life now are what color t-shirt and what what number what flip-flop i'm going to wear today i have like six pairs of flip-flops you haven't worn your guy bears in a while so hopefully you'll break those out those are time. those are for uh draft meetings oh those, those are in season serious those are yeah those are when we get serious uh Starting in January, and I have a couple of the uh, my uh, Father's Day or my uh, was it Memorial Day shirt? Yeah, yeah, have. yeah. I Memorial got a couple Day of those, so um, they will definitely be coming out when it gets uh, draft season. All right, let's talk about one more thing, and then we'll get out of here because you mentioned Father's Day that's coming up. So if you haven't got your dad something special, go out and do that. And I'm talking primarily to my kids right now. Um, supplemental draft reportedly going to be July 11th. It hasn't taken place since 2019, I believe. Uh, and uh, Jordan Dejani for CBS Sports wrote wrote about it on, on the site. And, and one of the the subheadlines is, "What's the point of it?" And it's basically a situation where, uh, for various reasons, if you were ineligible for the draft, if you hadn't declared for the draft uh, during the regular draft period, you have an opportunity to get drafted over the summer. How does it work? The supplemental draft order is different from the regular draft order. Teams are separated into three groups. Based on the previous season, the first group is non-playoff teams, had six fewer wins. That won't be the Buccaneers next year because you said they're winning more than six and a half games. Uh, the second group is non-playoff teams with more than six wins, and the final group are the playoff teams. And then the order is determined by a weighted lottery, sort of NBA style. And one of the things that I remember someone telling me early on in, in the sort of supplemental draft process is if you take a, a player – in the fourth round this year, actually, never mind. Forget it. I don't want to confuse. I'll confuse myself. So anyway, so uh, just to continue quickly, bids for players are submitted blindly by teams with the yep. round that team would want the, the the player to be selected. So let's say Bryce Young is in this draft class, you would probably have twenty bids of uh, first round, and then it would be broken down by the three groups that we talked about: non-playoff teams fewer than six wins, non-playoff teams six plus wins, and then the playoff teams. And then whoever finished last last year, whoever that was, it wasn't the Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears would would be awarded Bryce Young, for example. But it could be a player like, let's see, who, let's say uh, we talked about Cody Mock, the second-round pick interior offensive lineman for the Buccaneers. There could be teams that desperately need help after minicamp. Maybe they, there's an injury or something, and they put a late first-round grade on him or their first-round grade. There's going to be teams that say, all right, let's see if he slips by. We'll, we'll put a third-round grade on him. And then no one knows anything. And you just find out magically whether you landed that guy or not. Did you ever submit any supplemental draft bids? No, we, we, you do your work, which is to be honest with you, it's the dreaded supplemental draft. No one really looks forward to the <laughs> supplemental draft because that takes out another, uh, some time away from, uh, 
your downtime a little bit in the off season. So you do the basic thing, you know, some of these kids that will come out in the supplemental draft will have a workout usually at some high school or something. Uh, you may send one of your area scouts down there. If you have any interest, you do the tape work on them, try to get the information on them. Uh, but a lot of times the supplemental draft, at least what I recall was done within two hours or less uh, because a lot of teams if after you've evaluated, if you have no interest in this player, you just yeah. write an email into the league that we're not, uh, we, we forfeit all our picks. We're not going to take, we're not going to spend a pick on any of these players. So right. half those teams probably will do that rare that can I ask you, there was one player, I think at the first round in the supplemental draft uh, was the only one that I can recall uh, the quarterback out of Duke. Was it Dave oh, Brown? So I had a couple names for it. Yeah. So Dave Brown, that's right. 1992 out of Duke. Supplemental draft pick for the Giants. He played How for. How about that? How about that recall? That was really good. Oh, you'd have top of your head. I got a couple other names for you. I'll, I'll go back to 85. Bernie Kosar was a supplemental first round pick. He graduated after his junior year, which apparently was a a reason that you weren't in the. You, you went through the graduation process and maybe decided afterwards. I'm not sure the details. 87. Here, I'll tell We'll play a little game. 87 linebacker out of Oklahoma. Uh, I have no clue. Brian was, Bosworth. Uh, Bos came out? Yeah. Bosworth has been dismissed from the Oklahoma football team following the 1986 season. Since he was a junior, he was eligible to be chosen in the 87 draft, but did not declare before the deadline. This is according to Wikipedia, so take that for what it's worth. So that's a big name. Um, all right. Wide receiver out of Ohio State went to the Eagles in 1987. Oh, that's an easy one. Chris Who Carter. Chris Carter, fourth round. So I think he had some off-field issues. Yeah, he was suspended yeah. before his senior season, so that perhaps had something to do with it. All right, 80, 89 draft. Quarterback, first round, out of Miami. Went to the Cowboys. 89? Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. And this is the year after, I believe, they took Troy Aikman. Boy, I was trying to think. 89. It wasn't Kozar, because Kozar was Miami. 85. I got another another quick story about Bernie Kozar. Um, but... Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know that one. Steve Walsh. Remember Steve Walsh? Oh, Steve Walsh. Yeah. What's your Bernie Kosar story? Oh, uh, real quick. I was in high school. I was a quarterback at Maslin, uh, <laughs> high school. You were uh, a, uh, option running back or just a thrower? No, we were running the run and shoot back then. Run and shoot. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I was getting recruited. Um, most everybody looked at me as an athlete rather than a quarterback. Although I thought I was Dieter Brock from the old Canadian. I remember League. Dieter Brock played for the Rams for a little yeah. bit. And um, so Miami came in. I met with them. They came out wow. to practice. And uh, uh, then they went on to the next school uh, in Ohio, small school, uh, Boardman. Um, and then I never heard back from Miami again. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? You know, I was like, all set. I was going to get my flip-flops out, Debo, and everything, and ready to go down to Miami. And here uh, they offered Bernie Kozar instead of me at the quarterback position. <laughs> You think it worked out for Bernie okay? Yeah, he did okay. He did. Yeah, okay. They probably made a good personnel decision that year. Now, did you face Bernie in high school or was it too far no, away? No, no, it wasn't too far away. They just were, we didn't, Maslin played, uh, we weren't going to play a boardman. We were going to play uh, different school. divisions. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, a couple other names. Um, do you remember Tim Rosenbach, quarterback? He was out from out west, wasn't he? Washington State. He also went yeah. the first round in 89. So two first round quarterbacks. In that the, was uh, different. Now you got to remember that's pre CBA. That's true. So and also a running back out of Alabama in the first round that year, 89 went to Denver, Bobby Humphrey, Bobby Humphrey. And uh, I mentioned, uh, I'll mention just uh, a couple other names, Terrell Pryor, third round pick in 2011, Josh Gordon, 2012 out of Baylor. Uh, he had gotten dismissed from the, from the Baylor team, went to the Browns second round pick. And then, the last name I'll mention is Jalen Thompson. He's the last guy to be drafted uh, in the supplemental draft. 2019, he was a fifth runner for the Cardinals out of Washington State. He just signed a three-year, $40 million contract extension. So good news for him. There are some some success stories even recently from the supplemental draft. But um, Most of those guys now are going to enter the transfer portal. That's a great point as well. So um, I think there's one name mentioned. I think Dane Brugler mentioned one name. I didn't recognize it. I'll look at it. And we'll maybe, oh, Milton Wright, Purdue wide receiver. Dane mentioned him as a possible 
uh, target uh, during the supplemental draft. That'll be next month in July. We'll circle back to that if we if we need to. But for now, that's it. That's a wrap on episode fifty nine. Have are we going to have a mock supplemental draft? Well, I teased it at the top of the show. You're supposed to give us your top twenty, and you refused. <laughs> so that's that's your fault. You don't do regular mock drafts. You don't do supplemental mock drafts. What do you do around here exactly? <laughs> I'm a supporting actor. My supporting acting roles. What I do. What if you're? What if it says Rick Spielman, dad joke connoisseur? That's your job. <laughs> Terrible. You got dad my joke. dad joke already. That's the one bad dad joke to to leave on for the weekend. That's my Father's Day present from you to me. Thank you very much. All right. Remember, you can give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five star review. That would be awesome. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing, and thanks to all you guys who watch and listen. Have a great weekend. Go get your dad something nice on Father's Day, and we'll see you guys on Monday. Bye.